This is an RCO production. 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 Hello listeners, welcome to After the Elevator Pitch, a podcast produced by the Rotman Commerce Entrepreneurship Organization, where we host exclusive conversations with entrepreneurs from all varying sectors of business to learn the secrets behind their success. And my name is Joanne Yuen, and I'm your host today for this podcast, and I'll allow my co-host to introduce himself as well. Hello, future entrepreneurs. My name is Andy Park, and I'll be your co-host for this episode. As part of After the Elevator Pitch podcast team, I work as the main editor, and you may have heard my voice in previous episodes in the intro and the outro segments. Anyways, it is an honor to be here today with you, Joanne, as you get to set to interview our guest today, Armin Faraji from Node. Hello, Armin. How are you today? Feel free to introduce yourself to our listeners. Yo, what's up, guys? Um, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Armin, as you guys already know. Um, I'm one of the co-founders at Node, where we're democratizing the creator economy and building a marketplace for brands and creators to collaborate uh, with less friction. Yeah, okay. So let's get the audience kind of on board with Node and the business model. So I was wondering if you could tell us a bit about how you operate. So from our knowledge so far, you're a pretty kind of innovative digital marketing agency. And we want to know a bit about what you do, who your target audience is, and what your current milestones are with Node. Cool. So we're, we're not an agency, actually. We're the anti-agency. Um, so brands work with us a lot of time instead of agencies or agencies hire us to manage their influencer uh, collabs. So at Node, essentially, we have a marketplace where brands essentially trade their products in exchange for pro- in exchange for content and exposure from verified influencers. And that's really how we make the process frictionless. Uh, as I said earlier, so we allow brands to any brand, whether it's a new startup or an established brand like Porsche Pancakes or Osmos to generate content on demand from thousands of micro influencers that we verified uh, across North America. I see. So I know you kind of spoke about this interplay between you know, influencers and brands. And uh, I think I mentioned this to you before in our previous meeting. But I did see that you guys work with Forge Pancakes. Um, I bring them up because I'm a huge fan. And I was wondering if you could talk about like the process between the influencer and the brand, um, like how they work with the partnering influencers, how they are chosen, and how that kind of relationship is set up in the first place. Yeah, totally. So um, we have a mobile app for iOS and Android that anyone can sign up for to become an influencer on Node. Uh, mm-hmm. Every influencer is verified based on their content quality, engagement, and audience size. Uh, we have a great partnership with Facebook that allows influencers to actually log in through their Instagram accounts so that we're able to gather data and uh, effectively verify them to work with brands. And then we work with hundreds of brands across Canada and the US that are able to actually post their products on our platform for influencers to receive. Um, and essentially, instead of paying, influ- instead of, uh, Paying for these products, influencers are able to actually create content in the form of videos or photos on Instagram and TikTok uh, in exchange for free items. So essentially, Node is a platform where people get free stuff for posting on social media. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool. almost sounds a bit like a marketplace. And I saw somewhere, I think there was a line like democratizing the whole kind of um, marketing or like influencer gig on Instagram or on social media in general. So I think that's a really cool way to do it. Um, But on the topic of social media entrepreneurship and just, you know, using social media as a tool for marketing, I was wondering what kind of inspired you to start Node in the first place, like what your your own impetus was and why you entered the social media marketing space yourself. 
Totally. Um, well, I mean, I, I used to run agencies. So for me, I, I ran a social media agency called Growth Group. Uh, it still operates, but I, I'm less involved. Um, and through that experience, this was probably in 2017, uh, we started doing a lot of influencer marketing for brands. We started leveraging a lot of UGC um, for our ad campaigns and also for a lot of the organic content we were posting for our clients. Uh, and essentially, we I got to a point where I realized that working with influencers was very inefficient, but there was huge opportunity and upside for brands um, that were leveraging that content. Uh, and, and for me, like the meaning of democratizing influencer marketing is making it more accessible for both the creators and for brands that are looking to tap into these creators. Um, and and I mean, for us, we have an, we we've opened doors for creators and micro influencers to be able to work with hundreds of brands. Um, and at the same time, we allow D2C and, and new businesses um, to work with influencers for free. So um, this is something that we've been working on for, I would say, since 2000, late 2018. Um, we officially launched uh, our fully-fledged platform in 2020. Uh, and then we launched a free program back in March where literally any business can join and start working with influencers. No, I honestly fully agree with you. I feel that social media has definitely become a platform where people can, individuals can express themselves. And especially with the increase in the TikTok users and like very much various like celebrities as well. There's a lot of uh, content creation happening. I think that note is revolutionizing this uh, market space. So I'm just kind of curious. Um, you said that you started back in 2018. So I'm just kind of curious, like what was the idea behind node and like how do you get this inspiration behind node to create uh this company yeah so i mean initially in, in uh like 2017 16 we used to do a lot of media events for brands um we used to invite influencers to come and take photos at restaurants and venues and retailers um and and it was really great but acquired a lot of heavy lifting in, in the sense of like coordinating and messaging and negotiating with influencers um and so we we have a hypothesis that we can streamline this entire process uh and create a really easy medium for brands to be able to work with influencers um and at the same time for creators i think the the one of the primary methods of getting collabs is through instagram dm so we thought that there's definitely a better avenue to be able to achieve those same sort of collabs. Um, and so with Node, we look to actually streamline all the processes that go into creating a product seeding or an influencer campaign where brands can actually get their products into the hands of influencers within a week uh, and start generating content for all their socials. So it's really about empowering brands with like high quality UGC, user generated content. Um, and then also giving creators new opportunities to work with these brands and, and grow their portfolio. That is very cool. I think with the pandemic as well, did like Node perhaps uh, gain more users during the pandemic because of more content creators coming in or how did the pandemic affect Node? Well, we definitely had an influx of uh, creators joining um, through the pandemic just because we saw a huge boom in the creator economy, just work from home life, provided new opportunities for people to become creators. And given that we really focus on micro and nano influencers, uh, it was just a really great fit for us. Uh, 
it did work in our favor on that side. But in the end of the day, we do operate a marketplace, and there's two sides to it. Uh, and initially, we worked with a lot of retailers. Um, and due to COVID, a lot of these businesses had to shut down or, or just go online. And that also forced us into a pivot where we focused more on D2C and e-commerce businesses. Uh, we love working with Shopify stores. We love working with consumer apps. Um, but now that, I guess, things are starting to open up again, we're also working with retailers and restaurants again. So I guess you could say it, it, ha- it, has, it has its benefits, but it also had its drawbacks. Uh, and in the end of the day, like any company has to pivot during um, a certain economic or social event. In your opinion, like, what do you think really defines a creator? Does, do they have to be like famous or do they, can anyone be an influencer or like a content creator, especially on a platform like Node? Uh, well, it varies. Like anyone can be a creator uh, per se. However, for us, the definition of a creator is someone who gets value for creating content for a specific audience that they've built. Um, in node terms, I mean, in, in overall, in general terms, you could consider a painter or an author or a photographer as a creator. Um, but for us, it's really about building an audience. So a creator to, to node is an individual who leverages digital channels such as Instagram and TikTok to promote and build fandom around their creatorship so like for example like i can be a creator too and like i can just hop onto node and pretty much partner with uh these various businesses then is that correct yeah if you get if you sign up and get verified that is uh you could be a node creator but overall you guys are all creators i mean you're you're creating this podcast right now that's going to be syndicated to an audience um and if your goal is to grow that audience of course so you guys are all creators um, it's just the definition of a creator is a little different in node terms. Uh, and that's simply because like right now we're really focused on a certain subset of the creator economy. Yeah, I see. And in terms of node and I guess getting micro influencers on board, how do you really advertise your own services? Do you kind of reach out to them? I think you mentioned, you know, an effective way is DMing them personally, but just in general, how do you get node services out there and how do you get micro influencers kind of aware that they can hop on this kind of thing that you have? Well, I mean, initially we did use things like DMs uh, and just mm-hmm. building personal connections to grow, to create liquidity on the creator side of our marketplace. And that's natural for any marketplace that's trying to, I guess, build uh, one side of their market. Um, but eventually, like at, at some point that liquidity grows itself because there's a natural network effect within creators. Creators are highly networked individuals. They post content that reaches additional audiences. So we knew that if we had a certain amount of creators engaged in our product, uh, it would naturally spread. And luckily that hypothesis was true and we validated it. Um, and so the real key is being able to build that initial traction with your first users uh, and have some sort of viral coefficient that actually spreads the product. Mm-hmm. I see. So back to micro-influencers, um, I, we want to kind of ask a bit more about this just because I think 
Um, I know Andy asked a really good question about COVID earlier and if that impacted your business, but just even in my own circle, I've noticed a lot of people kind of get into content creation. Um, and I was wondering just for listeners out there, what do you think makes a successful micro-influencer, especially one that works with several brands like that? Like, as you said, you know, everyone's a content creator these days. Like sometimes if I'm bored too, I just hop on TikTok mm-hmm. and like all my peers are creating TikToks or like Instagram reels, you know, like, so, but yeah, feel free to uh, hop in there, Harmon. Um, well, I think the key is creating quality content that actually resonates with a certain audience. And it's the same with any business per se. Uh, once you understand what kind of content resonates with your community or your audience, then you're able to, to grow and, and people will share your content and you'll be able to drive your following. Um, I have a TikTok, I have a Twitter, I have an Instagram, but that doesn't make me a creator. Um, because in the end of the day, like I, I create, I post Instagrams for my friends and for the few hundred people that follow me. I have no intention to be an influencer on Instagram. However, if you look at me on Twitter, I'm a little bit more active. I'm a little bit more intentional about driving an audience. Uh, and my goal is to advocate for my beliefs and to grow with my fandom on, on Instagram. Um, I, I had a similar, I guess I tried the same with uh, TikTok, but TikTok ended up requiring far too much effort. And uh, for me, I mean, I, I have so many things I'm working on that I, I, in the end of the day, as a creator, you still have to pick your battles. And uh, there's several platforms you can choose. Um, but in the end of the day, it's really about content quality um, and producing content that resonates with the specific audience. So I would say like, what makes a successful creator in the end of the day is like passion, um, some sort of foresight in terms of what people want, uh, and and the ability to create content that resonates with your your chosen platform. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I mean, personally speaking, I, I just use it personally, um, and I think it's really cool how over the years we're seeing social media platforms, especially new social media platforms, just kind of become a branding tool. So not only do you kind of have like, you know, an in-person identity, you can really create that online. Um, but I guess for people who want to learn more about social media and using it in a professional sense or in a creative sense, what are some good sources or resources that you would point them towards in terms of learning how to, you know, content create or like what kind of softwares are good for content creation? Um, so, I mean, like, it, it really depends what you're trying to do in the end of the day, like what, what platforms you live on. Um, Obviously, there's a lot to work with, uh, whether you're trying to build a professional network or an audience that's going to buy products from you. It, it really depends on like what your objectives are. Um, but at the end of the day, like, like you said, uh, there's a lot of different tools that you can tap into. I don't, I don't think there's any one, like there's, there's any, uh, dominant tool or product that I would recommend for content creation. Uh, However, at the same time, like there's certain formats that you have to follow depending on the platform you choose. And I think the best way to, to do that is to just copy people that you like and get inspiration. Um, and I don't mean just like copying people, like stealing their shit. <laughs> um, I mean, more so in a sense. I have to censor that. it out now. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I definitely don't mean in terms of like biting people and, and stealing their stuff. But more so getting inspiration. I think the top content creators have a formula 
and it's not difficult to recognize what that formula is as long as you follow these people and you actually uh, are intentional about like learning their strategies and also um, keeping an eye on also your analytics and like seeing what your audience engages with. For me, like again, like the biggest my my biggest priorities personally are Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, and then now I'm, I'm, I am focusing a little bit more on Instagram, but I know like our focus is really just on Instagram and TikTok. So, you know, as the uh, great Picasso once said, you know, good artists copy, but great artists steal. So I do think that we're not trying to promote plagiarism here, but I do think that, you know, copying other influencers or even like, you know, people that create content and just kind of like, being inspired by the content that they create is a great idea to start off your, um, whether it's a channel or your platform. But, you know, like, I think that social media has become such a big platform these days that it has shifted over to the entrepreneurship side as well. So as um, you are an entrepreneur of Node, uh, I'm just kind of curious, like, how can, like, these um, social media influencers kind of, like, pursue other side gigs other than being an influencer? Well, I think there's a lot of add-on services that you like. There's a okay if you're if you're actually a successful content creator and or an influencer, let's say, um, there's a certain skill set that goes into that, and that skill set is very transferable. Whether it's being able to write, like e.g. Twitter or like Medium, uh, or being able to take really great photos and videos, like on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, and the end of the day, like that's the service side of it. There's a lot of brands. There's a lot of businesses that are seeking those services. So a social media platform where you can express yourself and show off your work is a natural fit for anyone who's either looking for work or looking to get consulting gigs. Um, for instance, like the reason I post on LinkedIn and medium is because I, I again, I, I like to, I like to advocate and I, and I like to show off my work, whether like, again, I'm not a huge photographer, but I love to write. So I do share a lot of content on Twitter and LinkedIn and I have a lot of medium posts, uh, because that's my medium and people hire me for that type of stuff outside of note as well. Um, so again, like, and day, it's not really about only building an audience and having fandom. Uh, mind you, a lot of creators make their income from their fans, but there's a lot of, complimentary services that can be offered if you're actually good at producing content and you, you figure out, I guess, a certain secret sauce for, you know, whatever sort of niche you're, you're tapping into. Yeah, that's true. I notice a lot of um, small influencers that have built like a sizable audience over the years have kind of started their own either clothing line or some kind of like a merch brand of their own, which is really cool. So they have so many options to pursue after kind of you know, just being an influencer, because I have a feeling that most people kind of start off either because they're, you know, they have a hobby and they like posting about it and it ends up getting monetized. It's like they're doing what they like and getting paid for it and building a fan base. And then they get to branch off to different opportunities. But another part of it is um, like the feedback loop we were kind of talking about earlier, where you get inspired by other influencers and then you start kind of doing the same thing based on who you're inspired by. And then small communities, whether it be like niche or pretty general communities, just start building themselves on social media, which is something we've definitely seen over quarantine. Um, and that's something that's really cool and I appreciate about social media these days. To be totally honest, maybe like three years ago, if I thought about Instagram, I wouldn't think of it as what it is now. So it's crazy to kind of realize how much social media has pivoted and changed over the years. But in terms of um, 
Yeah, so are we going to make a comment? Yeah, well, I think like it's just a matter of like coming to terms with the fact that social media Mm -hmm. is going to constantly change. Uh, And like it's hard to say whether we're still going to be using Instagram or TikTok in the next 10 years um, Mm -hmm. or 10 years from now. So it's, it's really just like being conscious that what you're doing now is not necessarily what's going to work in the next few years. And I think the best creators are, are willing to learn and also willing to adapt to whatever new platform comes out. Uh, and also have like, again, like having good foresight um, in terms of where your audience lives and, and being able to like find those individuals and, and actually serve them your content in a meaningful way. Yeah. So I guess kind of just a few final questions, just because I know we're hitting our time limit now. But um, in terms of, and I know you talked about how social media is constantly changing. I'm wondering what you see will happen to Node or what Node's trajectory will be in the next few years and how you think social media is going to change from here on after. Um, Well, I mean, I think social media is, I think there's, there's, I know a lot of companies that are creating really amazing products for creators to build their own communities. Uh, I think the movement is towards the anti-algorithm where you don't depend on Instagram or Facebook or YouTube to distribute your content or to get you paid. Um, I think people are moving towards building their own communities and providing exclusive content, whether it's like an OnlyFans, whether it's something like a Super Peer or Discord. that's like really the movement towards like creators serving their fans. But at the same time, like that's a completely different dimension than creators that are working and building an income off brand deals. Um, because in the end of the day, brands are going to want to be where the action is and they're going to want to be where they get the most distribution. And that's not always in close communities. So I think like one thing to realize is that there's two sides of the creator economy. Or, or influencer or having an influencer career. Uh, one is, you know, growing your distribution and getting more brands to tap into that. And like a good, like a, just a classical example of that is like brands that pay for banner ads on blogs, right? Like most people are creators. They make all their money from like Google AdSense um, and like banner ads and promoting products and adding backlinks into their blogs, but a newer format of that is like Substack where creators are making an income and writers are leaving companies like the New York Times because they're able to have closed communities of followers and fans that will pay them for that content. So it's like, it really depends on what you're trying to do, where you see the opportunity. Um, and it's hard to say where social media is going to go. I can tell you right now, video is the hottest thing. Uh, and People and like I guess you can make the assumption that also people's attention spans are only going to get shorter. Um, yep. <laughs> so I, I think that's just something to to remain conscious of is like even if you go on Spotify, like songs are like two minutes right now in length. Like the average song is less than three yep. minutes. I, I agree with you there. About that, I did not think about that. <laughs> but like uh, like I have an artist I listen to. His name's Kid Laroy. Released a good song with uh, Justin Bieber a couple a uh, couple of days ago. It's only like two thirty two minutes and thirty seconds long. I was kind of disappointed. But yeah, I um, agree with you. Like people's attention span is decreasing, especially amongst the teenagers. But now I just kind of wanted to touch upon this earlier, but I didn't really get a chance to do so. But prior to know, you have a variety of entrepreneurship related experiences under your belt. So I'm just kind of curious, like. How do you think these experiences contributed to your success now for Node? 
And are there any like particular experiences that still stand out to this day? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I've like messed up a lot of companies. Like I've less messed up on a lot of my businesses. I've made plenty of mistakes. Uh, my first business, which was like running concerts for hip hop artists, like I, I went like twenty thousand dollars in debt. Um, my second business, Growth Group, my agency. Um, I think we, I probably could have done a much better job in terms of like managing my time and like hiring people to do certain tasks. It was, it was almost like being a solopreneur for a while. Uh, and I mean, my goal is that I can take, I mean, I'm hoping that I can take some of those learnings and apply them now, uh, to note and, and any future ventures that I'm a part of. But end of the day, like, I mean, if you have to look at failure as a, as a learning opportunity, I think that's the most important thing. I think operating a startup is much different than operating a service business. Um, and that's also very different than operating a merchandising business. Uh, and like, I think there's, there's certain learnings that you can take from each one. Uh, but I think like overall, the biggest thing with running a startup is that you have to be willing to experiment and make mistakes quickly. Uh, and in some businesses, you can't afford to make as many mistakes. Um, but that comes with the territory as well. So at Node, we're, our goal is to build a billion dollar venture backed business, which is a big bet. And to make those sort of big bets, we have to essentially be very audacious with our assumptions and also the things we want to experiment. Uh, and like, that's my view on it at Node. But if you're running a service business like before, like, like I was doing before at an agency, there's much, there's much smaller room for experimentation. And aside from that, when you're running a startup, I think there, there isn't really a playbook for what you're building. Otherwise, if there is a playbook, then you're probably not building a venture backable startup because someone else has done it. But if you're building an agency, there's tons of people out there to learn from and you can create a successful agency just by learning and taking notes from some of the best and, and, you know, people that have, have actually succeeded at that. My biggest mistake was probably not having enough mentors around me in like early stages of my business and just being stubborn in a sense that like, I thought I knew everything. Um, prior to that, like I ran a, I had two online stores. One of them was like seven figures uh, and we sold, women's wedding jewelry and that was really cool and that was pretty easy but that was also in the golden age of like facebook ads and shopify stores where it was very easy to target consumers and there was a playbook for doing that because hundreds of other e-commerce stores were doing that but with no there's very lot lot more ambiguity uh and that's something that you have to come to terms with which is that you don't know everything and it's probably better to to be accepting of that um because at the end of the day, it's, it's just about constantly pivoting and experimenting until you find that secret sauce. Because, again, if, if that secret sauce exists, that means that you're not building a venture-backable startup. Mm, I see. Uh, I appreciate how you touched on, like, you know, frankly, with the mentorship and with the variability when it comes with starting a business. I think that's the most um, risky and the most intimidating part when people think about entrepreneurship. But I definitely think that people need to remember there's a lot of trial and error involved. And it's good that you spoke about that. Um, but I guess in terms of time and questions that we had to ask, we're basically good for today. So thank you so much for taking the time to answer all these questions with transparency and share a bit of, about Node. 
I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who are interested in micro influencer or that kind of gig out there that would definitely benefit from this podcast. So we'll definitely see how that goes. But um, you also have several social media handles, obviously, on the topic of that. So feel free to follow. And these will be in the show notes. Note on Instagram at node.app and add Armin on LinkedIn. And on Twitter, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you should be found at Armin's World. Yep. And with that being said, thank you to listeners for listening to another episode of the After the Elevator Pitch featuring Armin Faraji from Node. Make sure to follow the After the Elevator Pitch on Spotify and Anchor FM, as well as our Instagram account with the handle at After the Elevator Pitch. And stay tuned for our upcoming episodes as we have some great topics and guests and entrepreneurship coming soon. Thank you, and this has been the After the Elevator Pitch, a production by RCO. Thank you for listening to another RCO production. 